Hello and welcome to Health Matters on Channels Television. Thank you for joining us. I am Mary Alale Yusuf. Antimicrobials help stop the growth and spread of microorganisms or microbes that could harm the body. They are used to stop the growth of bacteria, fungi and viruses in our homes, medical facilities and public spaces. Microbes can develop resistance to these wonderful agents of health when they are used improperly. Improper use has made antimicrobial resistance, or AMR, one of the top 10 global public health threats facing humanity. According to the World Health Organization, AMR contributes to more than 5 million deaths globally every year. My guest is Antimicrobial Resistance Program Coordinator at the Nigeria Center for Disease Control, Dr. Tochi Okwo. She joins us via Zoom from Enugu. Hello, Dr. Tochi. Hello, Mary. Let me start by asking you, what does improper use constitute? What is improper use? Explain that to us. Thank you very much, Mary. Improper use constitutes some various things. And I would like us to start out from when somebody um, becomes ill with something, you feel sick and you feel you need to take a medication, that is the starting point. The ideal thing is that you go to the hospital where a healthcare provider, a doctor will prescribe you after testing you and finding out if you need an antibiotics. So the starting point of, for proper or improper use of antimicrobials is actually there could be when people do not go to seek healthcare and therefore get into what we call self-prescription. So you on your own go and just because you feel fever or you feel sick or you feel the way you think you have felt before and somebody prescribed you antibiotics, you then go ahead, one goes ahead and takes the antibiotics by themselves without prescription. That is one of the ways we can say that antibiotics have been improperly used. Then sometimes in healthcare itself, it could be that the appropriate laboratory tests that are required to know exactly which organism that is making that person sick has not been looked into. And then a health worker goes ahead to just prescribe an antibiotics that most likely or maybe will not work for the condition that the patient has. That also is what we consider to be improper use of antibiotics. For instance, if a child has diarrhea that maybe is not caused by an antibiotic and often they are caused by viruses, and then a health worker goes ahead to prescribe for that child or that person an antibiotics, which is what we prescribe for bacterial infections, that on its own will also be considered improper use of antimicrobials, improper use of antibiotics. And then you have been prescribed the antibiotic the proper way, maybe through the proper testing, and the health worker has found out that this is exactly what you need and it's been prescribed. Usually when it is prescribed, there's a duration of use of that antibiotics. If the patient goes ahead and just uses that antibiotics without completing the course of that antibiotics and just stops on on his or her own, that is also considered to be improper use of an antibiotics. And then when somebody then goes ahead to share their antibiotics with another person, because that person feels the symptoms or feels 
something they think is close to what they themselves felt, and they go ahead to share their antibiotics, maybe with the members of their family, that is also considered improper use. But I'll say that improper use of antibiotics does not only happen in the human health sector. And in antimicrobial resistance, it's always important that we bring these things together under what we call the one health lens of looking at this. There can also be the improper use of antimicrobials in the agricultural sector, in the animal sector. So when you have antimicrobials being used as what we call growth promoters in the breeding or the rearing of animals, that is improper use of antimicrobials. If you also go putting antimicrobials into feeds for feeding animals, or using some antimicrobials that have been said to be set aside for human beings because it is critical for the welfare of human beings, that also can be considered as improper use of antimicrobials. So it's a complex thing that needs a One Health lens and everybody coming together both the human health, the animal health, and the environment, and indeed the whole of society to address. So does that mean that there are no over-the-counter antibiotics? Because that's how most people buy them. The, recall that I've said that really ideally, when somebody needs to take any medication, but specifically antimicrobials, a decision has to be taken to say, this is first of all, what is making you sick. It is not every fever that is as a result of a bacterial infection. It is not every weakness, sense of feeling unwell. It could be malaria. And for malaria, you also need to do some tests before a malaria medication can be prescribed to you. So we're saying that ideally, when you feel unwell, the best thing is to go to a health facility. It could be a primary healthcare center. You start from your very basic level of healthcare provision, depending on where you're located, where a health worker will look at you. And you found out that even at the lowest level, you would usually have a health worker, even if it's a community health worker, who is able to help you make, take some decision on what is wrong with you. Some often at those very low levels, we have some diagnostic tests to at least rule out malaria. There are some standard operating procedures that even health workers at the very low level will use to at least understand what's going on. And if it's something they need, they think they need to escalate to the higher level, then they will escalate. For okay. most antimicrobials, it is very, very important that a test is done, that a health worker who uses what we call a treatment guideline prescribes it for you because it, it is not every antibiotic that is okay for even every bacterial infection. I've heard doctors say that uh, you have to start from lower level antibiotics to treat a problem, that, that they, they, you shouldn't use higher powered, for a better word, uh, antibiotics when you start treating the problem. Why is that and what's the implication of doing it the other way? Thank you, Mary. I'm happy you asked this question. And that's an interesting way of putting in lower power, higher power for the patient, what the patient wants and what we want is for a patient to get well, receive the right antibiotics at the right dose for the right condition and for the right duration. The power thing, it's not necessarily a power dynamic. But you see, since antibiotics was discovered till date, what has happened is that the, anti the antibiotics in the pipeline both for 
those ones that are coming through just about to get into the market, that pipeline is dried up. And because it is really not the most profitable business for, for big pharmaceuticals to put in research and development resources into antimicrobials compared to things like antihypertensives, cancer medications that are sure to get their money back. So that pipeline has dried up. And therefore, there's a need to preserve critical antibiotics for critical pathogens that we know can really result in high mortality and illnesses in both human and even in animals. And that is why WHO and, um, has really come up with what we call an aware classification, meaning that knowing the patterns of infections, both locally and globally, there are categories of antibiotics that a health worker should first of all consider and let it be your first option based on the diagnosis, based on lab results. And these are the ones we say, make these ones accessible. So a health worker will naturally choose from or should choose from those ones we call access. And how does this work? When a patient is ill and comes to the hospital and a health worker has done the right tests, gone to taking the samples, the right samples to the lab, and the lab says, oh, okay, these are the antibodies that this patient, what is wrong with this patient is susceptible to. So these are the options you have for treating this patient. If you look at that options and you see that the access category will work for this condition, and then the ones we call watch, and then the higher ones we call reserve, it means that a health worker should please get on with the access ones because we do not want to quickly start prescribing those ones in the watch category. And we definitely want to reserve the ones in the reserve category for those ones that all other ones will not work. So that's the concept. And this okay. means that every health worker should have that information of access, watch, and reserve. All right. All right. So um, give us a sense of what the what the the case could be the scenario could be with widespread antimicrobial resistance like it's run amok what would it look like um i wouldn't want to describe for you Magidon, mary but i will give you a practical view um a lot of things that used to be unsafe before antibiotics were discovered became possible in for human beings. So we started living longer because infections that killed people could then become treatable by the use of antibiotics. And it then helped us in healthcare to begin to get into more complex systems. We could then do complex surgeries. We could provide care for cancer patients. We could do transplantations. And what does transplantation mean? You first of all have to remove the person's, the individual's ability to handle infection. But what also gave health workers the confidence to continue to do procedures is knowing that wound patients will not die from wound infections. Communicable diseases can then become controlled because of antibiotics that work. Now, the scenario you have asked me to describe for you, which we are actually approaching, is you then go for a tooth extraction, for instance. And if there's not optimal infection prevention and control there, and infection happens, it could be that if that infection is as a result of an organism, a bacteria that is no longer 
susceptible, meaning it is now resistant to every known antibiotics that we have in the market or that a health worker can offer you, that tooth extraction can result in death. That is an example. Wow. Wow. It goes for a child that has pneumonia. And when a child has pneumonia, the mother can take that child to the hospital and health workers can utilize antibiotics to save the life of that child. If it then becomes the case that there's no longer an option for an antibiotics for that child, Mary, your guess is as good as mine, what will happen? So there's That's really, really grim. And even in the animal health sector, there are, there are conditions where animals need to be treated with the right antibiotics or antimicrobials for the animal to maintain animal health. And if they also lose that capacity, it will impact our food security. So it's a complex dynamic that we all must um, watch out for and try to find out how we can contribute in bringing this under control as much as is practicable. Could, could some of this resistance be due to mutation of the disease-causing agent, as was the case with COVID-19? Yes. Um, <laughs> what happens in antimicrobial resistance, and I'll point out something. Antimicrobial resistance is not the name of a disease. It is not the name of a condition. It is that the microorganisms, that is bacteria, fungi, parasites that cause infection. They also have the ability to change something in them that makes it, makes them able to resist the molecules of antibiotics or antifungals that we, they use to respond to. And that could be through mutation and there are other mechanisms as well that that can happen. So it is a change in the nature of the bacteria or in the nature of the fungi that then makes it able to resist those antimicrobials, antibiotics that it it's used to respond to. But antimicrobial resistance is not the name of a disease. It is not one thing. Okay, Dr. Tochi, please stay on the line. Stay with us, we are going on a short break. We'll resume shortly. Welcome back. This is Health Matters on Channels Television, and we are talking about antimicrobial resistance, how to curb it. We are speaking with Dr. Tuchi Okwo. Now, um, you can call 0808-054-2233 if you have a question on the subject. You can also tweet at CTV underscore Mary A or send email to moalale at channelstv.com. Dr. Okwo, let me ask you, if two people have tuberculosis, one has multi-drug resistant type tuberculosis, and one has the straightforward type that is responding to one drug, is it dangerous to put them together for fear that one may get the uh, multi-drug resistant type from the other patient? Thank you, Mary, for asking that question. First of all, when a patient, somebody has a multi-drug resistant infection, the Nigerian policy is that there's isolation. So a patient with multi-drug resistant tuberculosis would have to be isolated at least for a certain duration until it is clear that such a patient is no longer 
able to transmit the the tuberculosis from himself to another person. So even the nature of the isolation ideally is different from what you term the straightforward um, tuberculosis. Let's quickly because take this call, yes. Dr. Tochi from okay. Yusuf in Lagos. Hello, Yusuf. Yes, uh, this is Yusuf from Lagos. Um, yes, I want to ask Ministry of I mean, uh, Health doing about enlightening and uh, giving orientation to nurses because they are guilty of administering these drugs, you know, to patients outside the uh, uh, clinical premises. So I, what are they doing? Okay, I think I get the, the gist of so, your so question, question. Yusuf. You. Uh, uh, Dr. Okwo, a nurse outside of the hospital prescribing for somebody, you know, maybe a neighbor, it happens all the time, malaria tablets and stuff like that. What do you have to say about that? Well, Mary, the, I think I should first of all now say what this week is about. Starting from yesterday, we commenced the World Antimicrobial Awareness Week. And the whole essence of this is to educate and shine the light on the need for everybody to play their part in this challenge, which is antimicrobial resistance. And nobody is left out. The government has its own side to play. Health workers have their own role to play. Community have their own role to play. The animal, the human, and the environment sector, and the whole of society, everybody has their role to play. So health workers also are also now having to learn and understand and appreciate what the problem of antimicrobial resistance is all about. And Mary, at the beginning of this talk, we had said that how can antimicrobials, antibiotics be prescribed in the first instance? And recall that I had explained that as much as is practicable and as much as is feasible, a sample has to be taken from a patient and then taken to the lab to be tested. Every fever is not caused by a, bacter a bacteria and therefore every fever doesn't need to be treated with an antibiotic. The flu, most of the flu you have, flu-like symptoms that we have, that are caused by viruses often and it doesn't require an antibiotic. So from what um, the, the caller has now said, it means that there's still a lot of education and awareness creation that needs to happen even for health workers so that we will realize that for even to treat malaria, we now have access to rapid diagnostic kits so that a quick ruling out of anti-malarials or going to a health facility, and I've said it, a health center will suffice for a health worker to quickly help you sort out, am I dealing with malaria? And once that is done, the, the malaria medication can be given and a lot of things can be sorted out at that level. But okay. as much as possible, let us do this based on a proper diagnosis. Okay. Uh, Ada from Lagos is calling. Ada, what's your question? Ada from Joss, sorry. Yeah, good morning. Yes, good morning, Doctor. Uh, good morning. Calling from... What's your question? The problem now is uh, we have fake antibiotics uh -huh. that even when you have the diagnosis and you don't go to buy it, it's an issue again. Then... From what you have explained, that it can be a disaster, you know, disastrous if we keep on like that. Then why can't there be a legislation in Nigeria so that when you go to buy any antibiotic, the pharmacist, you know, they so most people just go to the pharmacy prescription. That's another issue. 
Thank you very much. Th thank I you, mean, Ada. We were breaking, but I think I have the gist of what you're saying. Dr. Oko, here's another problem. She's saying that uh, a lot of people just go to the pharmacist and get something, and she's prescribing that there should be a prescription before any medication is sold at the, at the uh, pharmacist. Yes, um, Mary, the, in Nigeria, we actually have a governance framework as we try to address the problem of antimicrobial resistance. And that governance framework is a one health one, meaning human, animal, and environment, and even within the human health one, we bring together the necessary parastatals and agencies. Our sister parastatal, the NAVDAC, is very much involved in, in this process. And I can tell you that they, they have developed and they continue to develop guidelines and frameworks on what should come into the country, first of all, what sort of antimicrobials should be registered in the country, what quality should it be. And constantly they continue to work with um, these places where these medications are sold from looking into the quality using a lot of technology and innovation so that you can even verify even with your prescription by scratching some of the by scratching and inputting a number you can at least confirm that this antibiotic which you have gotten with a prescription from a pharmacy is of good quality so that that is going on there's a lot of education of Pharmacies, the Pharmaceutical Association of Nigeria, I do know, is doing a lot. There's a lot of education of pharmacies on what is your role in what we call stewardship, in how to make sure that these antimicrobials are used appropriately. But you know, Nigeria is a large country. It takes a while for government policies, guidelines, innovations to permeate the entire society. And that Dr. Tochi, let me quickly drop. Very let me quickly cut in here and ask: Are there no alternatives to antibiotics? Aren't they discovering anything new that are not antibiotics? I'm happy you asked this question. There's actually something that not necessarily an alternative, but has a role to play, and that is vaccination. Oh. Vaccination, we know, is about prevention. So, for Things that vaccines have been made available for infectious diseases that have vaccination. What vaccination does is that when you get vaccinated, it reduces your chances of becoming ill with that infection. And many, many vaccinations we have are for viruses, yes. But recall that I've also mentioned that a lot of the wrong use of antibiotics we have is in treating infections that have been caused by viruses. So if we increase and improve our utilization of the vaccination, it will first of all remove a huge chunk of the wrong use of antibiotics. Because if we don't feel sick from some of these viral infections that we have been vaccinated about, then that wrong use of antibiotics for viral infections will reduce. And also there are now a lot other bacterial infections like the pneumococcal in children that now have vaccinations. And we encourage mothers to, if you vaccinate your children against that, then it will reduce the chances that your child will even need the antibiotics in the first instance. So for me, that is a clear, while not necessarily a direct alternative, that is a strategy that can be used to help us to begin to. 
Thank you so much, Dr. Okwa. Another reason to vaccinate your children, another reason to go for your vaccines. Thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been very, very educative. It's a big problem, but with everybody's participation, we can actually tackle it. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And thank you for staying with us throughout and for your calls, Yusuf, Ada, and others. Have a wonderful day. I am Mary Alale Yusuf. <laughs>